praise the Lord, hallelujah, and thank you, Jesus. Well, it's around that time right here on KAZ Radio, where I have one of my most favorite parabolists, none other than the parabolist, the lady parabolist, Deborah A. Wright. How you doing, Deborah? I'm just fine today. Like I always say, 2 o'clock on Fridays is one of the special hours, half hours of the whole week for me. I want to thank you again for joining me at WKAZ Radio in the beautiful offices here near downtown Cleveland for another episode of Just Telling My Stories. I'm excited because this is maybe the sixth or seventh week, I can't really remember, but when I go out in the public, in stores, in different places, people say, I heard your stories, or I saw that thing that you do, or whatever, and so I just thank God that people are being blessed by the stories, and um, I just asked that if you would tag someone, or share with someone, the stories that I tell are meant to inspire and encourage you, because see, life can be hard. Um, Those of you that don't know, um, I'm a stage four cancer survivor and I'm continuing to survive because I used to think that once the cancer was gone that you start running marathons and doing all kinds of things, but it's a journey. It's a journey. It takes your body a while to heal back from all of those things and I'm sure you heard me complain about my bald head and my blue toes and different things, but I decided I'm not going to complain anymore. I may mention them. I'm not going to complain anymore because I'm alive. And when I had the cancer, one of the main things that I thought about was the gifts and talents that God gave me that I have never shared with the world. And one of them is storytelling. Yes, you can write books. You can put books on the market, but that doesn't mean A lot of people read them or a lot of people see them. But also when I was in there for chemo, it was my particular chemo was six long hours. And I thought about if I wrote stories or told my stories and shared them on a podcast, maybe people like yourself could save them and you can send them on your phone to people that you know that are doing chemo or are sick and shut in and it's another way for you to share my ministry and to minister to those that you know and a lot of the stories have situations where the people are in a life struggle but the theme of all of them is do it all God is able to deliver them through whatever a lot of the stories have a little bit of truth in them or a little bit of history in them But most of them, um, God wakes me up in the middle of the night and tells me to write. And I begin to write down the stories. And they're a surprise to me as well. I remember the first time quite a while ago, like in 1997, when God gave me one of the stories. And it was new to me then. And I was writing and writing. And I didn't have to edit anything. It was like perfect. I called one of my friends in Chesapeake, Virginia, the next morning, bright and early, and I said, listen, look look what God gave me. And I read the parable to her, and she began crying and screaming and said, no, no, I didn't tell you that. I didn't tell you that. And the story that God had given me was her life story. She never shared that with me. So I just agreed to write what God gave me. You may wonder, well, why did she write that story? Or why did she write that story? But the stories are for, for, for someone, and all of us can get a benefit from them. Now, this story is kind of 
loosely related to a story of someone that I know personally. And it's called Secrets. This story is in the book, The Year Uncle Bubba Jack Died, which is on Amazon. The Year Uncle Bubba Jack Died, if you want a copy of the stories for yourself. When you get together with your family, it's a wonderful thing just to share stories. And not only share the stories that I write, but share stories about your family. This one is called Secrets, 2014 copyright. It was in the year 1903 when May Lee was born. She was born illegitimate. Now, I won't say that it was totally unheard of at that time. It just wasn't talked about. She grew up to be a tall, high, yellow, big-legged woman. Her hair was half nappy and halfway straight, kind of like you pressed it last Sunday kind of look. Now, she was the only daughter of her mama, but her pa had three sons. Life was challenging, but she seemed to find favor in some circles. But the same thing that was a blessing in one circle was a curse in another. She never knew the whole story of her birth, all she knew is that she was born illegitimate. And the town folk made sure that she never forgot it. Now, she did know that her grandmother was Lily White. Shh, another secret. Now, when it came to a job, the white folk didn't mind hiring that big leg yellow gal because she was smart. She was a good worker, she could read and write, and she was trustworthy. Now, in her own community across the tracks, the big leg yellow gal had another ring to it. The men loved the ground she walked on. The women utterly despised her. But she refused to hold her head down just to make them feel better. She couldn't help the circumstances of her birth. <laughs> She was yellow, her legs was big, and nobody was going to make her walk around with her head hung down about it. She decided that she was going to marry a tall, handsome, chocolate fella. <laughs> At least that way her children wouldn't have to deal with the curse of being too light or too dark in a senseless, color-struck world in the deep, deep south. One day on her way to work, three women and a child began to taunt her and make her make fun of her. Hey, big leg yellow gal, where you going? Out to clean the outhouse? Or maybe you out to steal some young woman's man? <laughs> and they began laughing and taunting her and cursing at her and throwing sticks and rocks at her. One of the women decided to pounce on her. And when she was getting the best of her, the other two pounced on her. Even a little child jumped on her back. <laughs> With a flick of her shoulder, she flung the child to the ground. <laughs> Chilling, getting in grown folk business. Some of the men heard all the racket and came out and stopped the fight. Nobody was hurt except for feelings, but the child did get hurt and never truly recovered. The sheriff didn't even bother to get involved. You see, as long as it was them against them, they didn't care. Now, all of that changed about nine months later. The child died. 
Some say it was as a result of her injuries from the fight. Others say that that child was born puny and the fight ain't had nothing to do with it. The whole town was divided on the issue. When the child died, the sheriff had to get involved. Late one evening, the sheriff came out to the big leg yellow gal's house and arrested her for murder and placed her in a prison workhouse. Now everybody in town had an opinion and folks was taking sides. It's a shame. Justice was served, but everybody knew that justice dealt a stingy hand when it came to certain folks in the South. Now mercy has a way of showing up in the most unexpected ways and times. You see, May Lee found favor with the people at the workhouse, and they heard her story and felt sorry for her. They would once in a while, every month, leave the gate open so that she could return home in the middle of the night and see her children a few times a month, <laughs> just as long as she was back before dawn. It was at least a three or four mile trek into the deep, deep dark woods but the light of a mother's love showed the way. One day she ran into a group of colored soldiers on a train and they asked her, sister, what in the world are you doing out here all alone? Didn't you know what kind of dangerous place it could be? She told them her story and she told them that her eldest son was in the army overseas fighting for our country just like they were. She also shared with them how her husband died, leaving her to raise two young children alone. They felt compassion for her, and they gave her a little pocket knife to protect herself, and they offered her a ride on the train. They dropped her just outside of her destination, saving a lot of walking and a lot of time. And then they mapped out a plan. They were stationed in that area for a few months. On the nights that she was to make the trip home to see her children, they advised her to go out into a certain part of the country and begin to sing a song. And she would sing, This train is bound for glory, this train. And they would hear her and give her a ride almost to her destination and a ride back to the workhouse after a few hours. She would always be so happy that she could see her children, she would return back with one of her pies. <laughs> her pies brought so much joy to the camp. Now there was so much injustice done to folks that they couldn't change, they got joy in secretly keeping one another's secrets. After a few years, Maylee was released from the workhouse. She changed her name and moved up north with her two youngest children. Her secret locked, boxed, and stashed away. She ended up being blessed with a good life. She got in the church and became an evangelist, and she would always minister to the young women in prison, doing whatever she could to assist their children while they were away. One day at the age of 90, 
she heard a lot of whispering going around amongst her family members and she told them if you guys want to hear and get some prayer results you better let me in on that secret because I think I'm about the only one around here that can get a prayer through <laughs> she was kind of right on that because her and God had such a relationship they told her that one of her great-granddaughters had been jumped on by a gang of girls at school with a box cutter, and that her granddaughter, great-granddaughter had whooped them all but was now in trouble and facing time in the juvenile. Even though nobody got hurt or nobody got cut, it was the principle of the thing. They were fighting in school. May Lee got real quiet. And the memories rode like an ancient film in her mind. She told her granddaughter to pull a chair up tight next to her knee. As the tears began to roll down her face, she unwrapped the secret that she had kept for nearly 70 years. Afterwards, such a relief swelled up in her spirit freedom and joy engulfed her for 70 years she had been imprisoned by secrets of things she couldn't change it's funny out of all of her great granddaughters that one was a splitting image of herself <laughs> she was a little big leg yellow gal <laughs> and feisty too Maylee learned that day that there comes a time when the secret should be shared, especially if it can release someone else from being imprisoned by theirs. The same God that took care of her was going to take care of her great-granddaughter, and he did. Yes, Maylee and God were tight. She said that long ago she asked him if she could leave this big old world in the same month that she came into it. And he told her yes. Well, her family had heard that story for many, many, many years. In January of the year that she turned 99, May Lee took sick, sick enough to die. But she held on to her faith and trust in God. Early in the morning on June 1st of that year, God kept his promise. Heaven's gates opened wide and at 99 years old, <laughs> that big leg yellow gal joyfully stepped on up to that train to glory. <laughs> no baggage, no regrets, and no secrets. This train Inbound for glory to his train. That's, like I said, some of the stories have truth in it, but to protect people, I don't always tell the names. But I got so inspired by that story because stories are important in our families because if we begin to share stories instead of hiding stories, we can help one another. Here's another story, and it's kind of funny that I'm the oldest of six children, and I have two brothers that are closer in my age, and this was around the time when it was just three of us. Now, they promised that they don't remember this happening, but I clearly remember it. And this story is called The Rat Killing Coconut. 
Did you know that you could kill a rat with coconut? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I know. When I was about nine or 10 and my oldest brother was seven or eight and our baby brother was about five or six, we got into daddy's coconut that he had bought for his cake. You see, on holidays, mama would cook all of the meats and the sides and dad would bake the desserts. One of his favorite cakes to bake was a coconut cake. Now, Dad worked long and hard hours so that we could have a good life. Some years he worked even three or four part-time jobs and full-time jobs. But it was always late when he got home, which kind of worked out because Mama was done cooking in the kitchen and he could have the whole kitchen to himself to bake his favorite cakes. <laughs> One year, I remember he was about to bake a, his famous coconut cake. The only problem... Me and my brothers had ate up his coconut. <laughs> Woo, thinking that my dad would come in ranting and raving and, and waving a belt. But instead he came in and he looked like he was about to cry. We never saw my dad about to cry. And he asked us with a manly whimper in his voice, Did any of you sweet children eat my coconut? <laughs> We looked at each other and in unison we said, No, Daddy. He looked at each of us straight in the eyeball and said, This is serious now. Are you sure? We again looked at each other and said, Oh, no, Daddy. We didn't touch your coconut. <laughs> Daddy pretended to be so relieved and hugged each of us. And he said, Whew, I'm so glad. You see, because that was my rat-killing coconut. Our hearts sank in our stomachs in unison. Daddy left the room. My brother Junior was usually the brains of the operation, and he gave us that look that meant it was time for a secret meeting. <laughs> we all knew that when we got that look, it was time to go downstairs and meet behind the pantry in the Underground Railroad, which was our secret headquarters. You see, even though we could only see partway into that narrow chute, my brother said that if you went just far enough, that there was a turn in the chute, and it would lead you on to Canada. Yeah, Junior said Harriet Tubman used it to carry some of the slaves to freedom back in the day. Well, Michigan was kind of close to Canada. Imagine that, Harriet Tubman in our basement. Hmm, it was a special place after all. Well, my brother, who later grew up to be a great preacher, he started the meeting off like this. Well, my brother and my sister, <laughs> we are gathered here together as a result of our sin. I say, my brother and my sister, we have a choice to make today. We can take the chance of telling the truth and fall out of the graces of our dear daddy. <laughs> oh, we can take our chances and continue on with the coconut lie and possibly face punishment or even, I say even, die. Oh, my, 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 my. But, but don't get discouraged, my dear brother and my sister, because I believe I have a plan. I say I believe I have a plan. <laughs> you see? Sister, you are 
tall enough and strong enough and you stand head over heels taller than anybody but daddy and I don't believe a little rat killing coconut will hurt you at all and as for me <laughs> you know they call me champ and I believe I'm smart enough and, and I believe I'm athletic enough and thank the good lord I'm sure handsome enough I don't believe a little rat killing coconut would kill me either but oh, I said, oh, my little brother, you're such a sweet little brother, and you're barely old enough to know about anything. I, I, I don't know. You're too young. It, it may even hurt you, and you may even die. But, but don't fear, don't fear, because I was watching National Geographic, and I saw them healed this person that had been bitten by a snake. So my brother, I have a remedy. But I say the choice is up to you. You, you can take this remedy. You can choose life. Or you can gamble with the rat coconut. What is it going to be, my little brother? What is it going to be? He put both of his hands on my little brother's shoulder. And as my little brother had his hands raised in the air and bowed his head, Little brother, the choice is yours. What is it going to be? My little brother, who had been silent the whole time, slowly raised his head and said, I, I, I want to live. I want to live. My brother Junior took out the two raw eggs, one from each pocket, and said to baby brother, Brother, if you suck down these two raw eggs like they did on TV, I believe you'll be all right. My little brother nodded his little head as Junior cracked those eggs one at a time, and my baby brother made the craziest faces as he sucked down those raw eggs. Junior patted him on the back. Live, my brother, live! <laughs> Woo. We felt like we had experienced a come-to-Jesus meeting and silently excused ourselves. I could see the belly laugh that was trying to escape from my brother Junior during the whole coconut exorcism. He was trying his best to hold back laughter the whole time. Now, as we left the room, confident in ourselves that Daddy was probably just trying to fool us to come clean about his coconut. Everybody knows you can't kill a rat with coconut, don't they? Well, just as soon as we stepped out of that pantry, lo and behold, there it was, a dead rat. Oh, God. We solemnly and silently marched upstairs, and Daddy was in the kitchen. Before we could get past him and get to our rooms, Daddy asked, Did anybody see my two eggs? You should have seen my brother's eyes. <laughs> All I got to say was a long night for us. <laughs> I um, tell, laugh and tell my brothers, and they figure that didn't happen, but it did happen. Not quite like that, but um, now that particular brother is the only one of us that can stomach um, semi-cooked eggs. I have to have my eggs cooked hard, almost burnt like 
But I just want to thank you for listening to my stories. And I was also um, remembered when I was a young girl, and my grandma gave me that um, highlights book and the Reader's Digest book. I always wanted to write stories. And now here at my age, even though a long time has passed, I just want to encourage you that the things that you find joy out of, the things that you find yourself doing effortlessly, the things that you do, don't worry about what other people think about them. If they give you joy, that's something for you to do. Sometimes some of the stories, I don't think a whole lot about them, but other people will tell me that story ministered to me. Now, a lot of the stories are just for fun. These stories were just for fun and or to document some history and some things that happened in history. But you can write stories about your loved ones that have gone on to be with the Lord. You can write stories about events and situations in your family, and you can even document them and put them in a book. Or you can just use them to share. My mother's brothers, two of them, before I even knew what, to call it were very, very colorful storytellers. And every time they would come from Ohio to visit us in Michigan, they had all kinds of tall, tall tales to tell. Had they been living in this area, they would have been very successful storytellers or comedians or whatever. But I also want to invite you to the Brain Center tonight. I belong to Cleveland Area Black Storytellers, and as part of our Black History Month, we have four storytellers, um, a couple of poets, and some special events for you tonight, and it's totally free. So if you're available at 7 o'clock tonight, the Breen Center is off of, I think, 30th near um, on the west side, St. Ignatius High School the Breen Center there, and it's a wonderful time to bring your family out. There'll be some stories that are older stories that are have been carried on. It's, it's really going to be informative. We had our rehearsal last night, and I was really pleased with the mix of stories that we have. Also, if you are a storyteller and you would like to join the Cleveland Area Black Storytellers, you can come out tonight and get more information about that. Also, if you would please tag and share, and even after the broadcast is over, you can go through some of the stories and send them to some of your friends that are going through some situations. Life can be extremely challenging sometimes. Sometimes all you need is just a good laugh. Sometimes all you need is just to bring a smile to your face. When you listen to stories like what happened with the lady, um, that went to the work prison, a lot of people are facing young people that are going to prison, going to jail, or getting in trouble. And sometimes, yes, we preach. I'm a minister. I preach. We do things. But stories can reach places that other people will receive even more than if I stood up and preached to them and preached the gospel. Now, I'm going to always preach the gospel. But because God has given me the gift of storytelling, I find a way to use it. I have done storytelling in the prisons, in the nursing homes, in juvenile facilities, a number of places that they probably would not have 
received me had I came with the Bible and the word of God. But in each and every story, there's a bit of wisdom that you can apply to your life. There's a bit of encouragement that you can apply and be encouraged. I just want to thank you for joining just telling my stories and when I had the cancer this was one way that I figured that none of us know how long we have to stay here none of us know when our magic date after the dash is going to be here but in the meantime find out what you're supposed to be doing find out what your gift and what your talent is and what you can share with the world and what you can leave with the world when you're long gone from here now w i mean i keep saying w but k-a-z radio tv podcast has opened it up where you can come you can be all over the world just telling your story your story is not my story my story is not your story you can come on and have your own show and you can tell your story and encourage the world thank you so much and again if you're free, please join us at the Breen Center, which is part of St. Ignatius School on the west side at 7 o'clock for our evening of storytelling. Thank you.